0: Aloha! I've been waiting to say that all week. Aloha! It is so good to see you. Julie and I are so happy to be here with you today, and a special welcome to those joining online. Uh, Julie and I live in Vancouver, Washington. We've been married for 36 years. And uh, here's a picture of my ohana, my family. I, I think it's there on the slides. Oh, okay. Sorry about that, but, uh, you know, we we live in uh, uh, Vancouver. All our kids live in Portland, just across the Columbia River. We have uh, three sons, two daughters-in-law, and two granddaughters, Sloan, who is four, and Brooklyn, who is two. Uh, Recently, I asked Sloan, our four-year-old granddaughter, hey, Sloan, what color eyes does Pop Pop have? And she leaned forward, she studied my eyes for a few moments, and she said, old. (laughs) We love being grandparents. Uh, Speaking of Ohana, I bring you greetings from your sister churches in the Evangelical Covenant Church. Uh, The Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 to 5, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Uh, On behalf of a grateful denomination, thank you for your partnership in the gospel. And this is important because we can do so much more together than we ever could individually as congregations. So together, we're a multi-generational, multi-ethnic union of churches Across the United States and Canada, we're currently at 900 churches. Uh, Believe it or not, together we've planted 39 churches since the start of the pandemic. Together we support 92 global personnel partnering in 63 countries. Together we've taken a stand against human trafficking. Together we're providing clean water for over 100,000 people in Congo with even more gaining access every day. And together we have reduced infant mortality by 50% in the Ubangi region of the Congo. You can see that the Holy Spirit, who's the blazing center of our mission, activates the church for mission. Mission from everywhere to everywhere. Together we serve others and transform entire communities by proclaiming and demonstrating the whole gospel. In the Covenant Church, we're committed to the whole mission of the church. So thank you for your support, your ongoing support of our shared mission and mindset. I like how you said that, Pastor Cheryl, mission and mindset to join God in God's mission to see more disciples among more populations in a more caring and just world. You know, it's so exciting and energizing to talk about the hope we share with others in Jesus' name. But what about that hope quotient for each of us individually, personally, the losses we've experienced over these last few years? COVID hit in mid-March of 2020 and shut down everything. And you know what we lost? We all lost normal. Even to this day, we continue to experience the VUCA, the V-U-C-A, the volatility, the uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. In the world today, there's way too much heartache and pain. We're constantly living through isolation, disruption, exhaustion, division, inflation, supply chain issues, Political polarization, exhaustion, racism, distrust, grief, and loss. And so little time to process the pain and the collective trauma that we feel. So we all have stories of loss, and many of those stories would begin with the same sentence. It wasn't supposed to be this way. It wasn't supposed to be this way. My younger brother, Rob, passed away from stomach cancer on Monday, May 11th, 2021. Rob was 57 years old. We were only two years apart, and we were very close growing up. The last three weeks of Rob's life were horrible. He spent them in a hospital bed. And I think we have a picture of this. Uh, Julie and I flew down from Portland, Oregon, to Los Angeles on that Thursday to be with Rob for a few days and to say our goodbyes. Uh, We were just so thankful to get into the hospital in the first place to say goodbye because of all the COVID restrictions. And we flew back home that Saturday. The next day was Mother's Day, and I distinctly remember this because Julie and I and our youngest son, Jordan, were out for Mother's Day dinner. And on that evening, while we were in our favorite Thai restaurant, uh, Rob called me one last time. And he said, I can't take this any longer. Tomorrow I'm going off the Bishids. I'll see you in heaven. Rob was gone by noon on Monday that next day, leaving behind a wife and their 17-year-old son. Our entire family was overcome with grief And we will never be the same without Rob. Husband, father, brother, son, uncle, and friend. It wasn't supposed to be this way. And I can imagine after all we've been through, probably some of you have many similar stories. And it's possible you also lost a loved one. And even if you didn't, maybe you lost a job or you lost a dream you lost finances, or you lost your health, or maybe even you lost hope. We've all experienced multiple elements of loss and still to this day, grieving what could have been when it comes to our personal stories. What is grief? Grief is the deep sorrow, a natural response to loss. Grief is a powerful emotion. Grief is what we experience because of love. Mourning is the outward expression of that grief. In 1969, a psychiatrist by the name of Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, maybe some of you have heard of her and her awesome work, uh, she identified five stages of grief and loss in her seminal book, On Death and Dying. And here are the five stages. Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And I usually like to add the word hope to acceptance. And the most important thing to remember about these stages is that they're not linear or clean cut. They're cyclical and they can weave in and out and sometimes like I've experienced even on the same day. And yet the only way to experience hope is to go through these stages of grief. The only way to the other side is through. I'm grateful for these stages and Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's work because I'm learning how to apply this framework not just to the loss of a loved one, like my brother Rob, but to other losses as well. It's really provided a helpful framework to me uh, when I think about the loss of a job or the loss of trust or the loss of a significant relationship, even the loss of daily certainty and predictability in the season in which we find ourselves living. Uh, Maybe you could apply that framework to the loss of an opportunity or the loss of a business plan that didn't work out the way you thought it would. And I've discovered that there are two verses from the scriptures in particularly that have been meaningful to me. You see, in the Covenant Church, we believe that the Old and New Testaments are the only perfect rule for faith doctrine, and conduct. As a people, we are grounded in the scriptures and guided by the spirit. So here's the first verse that has been particularly meaningful to me. It's Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am the Lord your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteousness right hand. I like how the message version puts it. Don't panic. I'm with you. There's no need to fear for I am your God. I'll give you strength. I'll help you. I'll hold you steady. Keep a firm grip on you. The second scripture is 1 Peter 5 verse 7. Cast all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. Cast all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. You know, cast, for those who like to fish, is a descriptive action word. We cast all our anxieties upon the Lord. Now, I'm not a great fisherman at all, but I do experience hope when I cast my anxieties upon the Lord because I know he cares for me. Taken together, these two scriptures give me hope. And these truths provide the comfort and the courage to hang in there and to keep on going. So I don't have to fear. I don't have to look anxiously about me. I'm assured that God sees me and not only sees me, but sees into me. I can come to Jesus with my emotions. I can relax in the promise of God's gentle and compassionate presence. I can be curious about what higher plan might be unfolding? What is the new thing that God may be doing in my life? And what could I actually gain from this experience of loss? Question, how do we find hope in a season of loss? What do we do when thoughts and prayers aren't enough? In other words, How do we become the kind of people who normally and naturally struggle well with loss, disappointment, and sorrow? Well, finding hope in a season of loss is definitely not about trying harder. It's about training. Let me say that again. Finding hope in a season of loss is not about trying harder. It's about training. Finding hope in a season of loss is not about self-help. It's about trusting and relying on the Holy Spirit. Finding hope in a season of loss is not about performance. It's about relationship and discipleship and following Jesus. The same Jesus who said this, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So here are some action steps that I continue to find helpful in my journey of grief and loss. First, list your losses and gains. List losses and gains. Name them. Because of all the things we've experienced these last few years, there are many losses that we've forgotten about or haven't taken the time to process. And as you reflect over these last few years, identify what or whom you've lost. Maybe you've lost a loved one. And I hear this story all the time in all our travels, and I didn't even get to say goodbye when we take time to honestly reflect, we discover that there are more losses than we actually are paying attention to. It's like this accordion. You know, at first it seems like there's just one or two losses, but when we do some honest reflection, we realize that, oh yeah, that happened too. Mm-hmm, I forgot about that. Yeah, that was really painful. I can't believe how I have buried that over these last couple years. And we realize that we have so many losses in our lives that are on the cognizant level of our minds on a daily basis. And this accordion stretches out as we name the losses that we've experienced. Another name for an accordion structure like this is a squeeze box. And so many losses have been squeezed or compressed into a short period of time. And when taken together, these multiple losses form what is called compound grief. Compound grief is the building up of losses over time so that they stack one on top of the other without ever processing them. And so we just continue to live lives of quiet desperation, not examining the pain that's underneath In fact, we don't even have the energy or the desire to backtrack and to reflect and meditate on what has actually happened to us. And we'd rather avoid the pain than deal with it. And we feel like there's so little time, there's so little margin and too much pain. How could I ever sort it out and make sense of it all? Because it wasn't supposed to happen this way. So it's easy to put grief on hold. It's easy to put grief on hold. And then we may find ourselves self-medicating to numb ourselves to the pain. Maybe it's an addiction to alcohol or drugs or porn or shopping or work or TV, whatever. And we'd rather medicate ourselves from the pain than to deal with the pain. And yet the only way to the other side is through. And with Christ, we can have the courage to confront the losses we've experienced. So before you leave today, you're welcome to come up after um, I give the benediction and take one of these accordions or squeeze boxes home for yourself. And what I'd like you to do, I'm gonna invite you to do this uh, at home this week. When you're ready... Take your squeeze box, and on one level, identify the loss that you've experienced. Then on the other side, identify what you've gained from that experience. And if you're like me, it might be easier to identify the losses, but more difficult to identify and recognize the gains. So I want to give you an example of how to do this, just from my own story. So on one side, I listed the loss of Rob's passing. And then on the backside, I wrote, here's what I gained, a deeper relationship with Cindy and Reichley. Yes, I lost my brother, and it wasn't supposed to be this way, but what I gained is a deeper love and commitment to my sister-in-law, Cindy, who's now a widow, and my 17-year-old nephew Reikley, who is now fatherless, Rob desperately wanted to live long enough to see his son Reikley graduate from high school, and we knew this was a strong desire in his life. And I promised him that we would go. So we felt strongly led by the Spirit of the living God to change our plans. Julie and I travel a lot and we said, we gotta go to Vegas to see, rightly graduate and represent our family. And this was just a couple months ago in May. So we were really honored to be there and after the service of graduation, it was held at a church in Vegas and then afterwards on the field, there was a reception for family members and friends and it was just so good to see families together after being apart for so long. You know what I mean? And uh, rightly, I was just a few yards away from him when he was dressed in his robe. He had his graduation cap on and the diploma in hand, and he reached up into heaven and said, I did it, Dad. I did it. I will always treasure that moment for the rest of my life, losses and gains. Second, live on instead of move on. Live on instead of move on. Grief can last for a lifetime. We carry it with us. We don't move on from our grief. We learn to live with our grief because grief is more like Velcro than Teflon. It sticks to us for a long time, and we can't rush it. Other people may want us to rush it, but remember that you and you alone are the expert on your own grief. In her book, The Alphabet of Grief, Andrea Raynor explains that there are no quick fixes to heartbreak. Moving on is rarely a term used by the bereaved. More often than not, it is used by concerned loved ones who want to help or by acquaintances who are uncomfortable with death. Those who are grieving the death of a loved one know they are not meant to stay entrenched in the deepest part of their pain. They are not meant to live in the past. Eventually, they must decide to live again, but no one can decide that for them. Perhaps the term moving on could be replaced with a concept of living, living on. For that is what we are called to do, to live on despite the pain of our losses. Moving on implies that we're leaving something behind, that we have closed a chapter, but we do not leave our loved ones behind in the rearview mirror. We take them with us. We take the times we have shared and the love we still feel into whatever future awaits us. Name your losses and your gains. Live on instead of move on. And third, lean into grief bursts. Lean into grief bursts. What is a grief burst? It's a sudden and unexpected reminder of what or who you have lost. It comes out of nowhere without warning, and it can knock you off your feet. You're driving along and a certain song comes over the radio, you find yourself bursting in tears and you got to pull over to regain some composure. As I mentioned earlier, grief can stay with us for a long time and pop up when we least expect it. We don't plan grief bursts, they just happen. And so when those grief bursts come unexpected, don't ignore them, welcome them, receive them. And here are two examples of grief bursts from my own grief journey. This past December, I went into the hospital for a routine checkup appointment, and I was not looking forward to this uh, procedure, but I know I had to go through with it because it took me so many months to get an appointment. Do you realize that how hard it is to get a medical appointment today? Raise your hand if you know what I mean. And so you really don't want to go through it, but you know you have to because it took so long to get this appointment. So, you know, we had gotten home from a long trip just a few days before. Thankfully, the procedure went well. But something unexpected happened to me. When I woke up in the recovery room, I was sort of still in twilight zone. I noticed the railings on the side of my bed, the robe that I was wearing, and the blanket that was covering me. Uh, I noticed the curtains with those steel rings, you know, that slide easily when you're in the recovery room, and then the drip tubes on the side of the bed. And I started to cry. And I didn't know why. Then it hit me. The last time I saw these things, is when I said goodbye to Rob in that hospital room in L.A. over a year ago. Julie wasn't allowed in the recovery room, you know, because COVID was still raging and she had to wait out in the hallway. So I uh, got myself back together and got all my belongings, walked out into the hallway, met Julie, fell into our arms sobbing and said, Today, I'm walking out of this hospital, but Rob never did. That's a grief burst. I didn't know it was coming, but I received it and welcomed it. A second grief burst that I experienced is definitely not as intense as that one. It happened to me a few months ago in April. Oddly enough, it happened to me on NFL Draft Day. How many of you are football fans? Okay, so this this is a crazy grief burst. So Rob and I grew up in our family right outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and everyone in our family are avid Eagles fans, and Rob is this biggest Eagles fan of anyone in our family put together. And so on draft day, which usually happens in April, uh, and the schedule's released, we would have a conversation. Hey, how do you think the Eagles did today with draft day? What do you think about that trade or that draft pick? Well, NFL draft day came around last April and didn't have that conversation with Rob. And I realized yet again how much I missed my brother Rob. I felt the sadness. But I take comfort in knowing that Rob was a follower of Jesus. And through faith in Christ and Christ's finished work on the cross, his death and resurrection, Rob lives forever in the love and power of God. And one day, I will see him again. That gives me hope. Fourth, listen for God's voice. Listen for God's voice. Like I said, as a covenant people, we're grounded in the scriptures and guided by the Spirit, and God speaks to us through the Word and Spirit. Again, here are my two go-to verses. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am the Lord your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Cast all your anxiety upon him because he cares for you. God speaks to us through his word and by the spirit. And sometimes, according to the book of Acts, God may also speak to us through visions, dreams, or signs. So two weeks ago in Ocean City, New Jersey, we had this great big family reunion There were 23 of us, and my dad, who's 92, he's doing great, by the way, uh, rented graciously three houses for us. So we were divided up into three houses, and the week went really well. Uh, We did a lot of body surfing. Any of you body surf here? Okay, it's kind of a lost art today, but uh, it's, it's really fun to do that. That was just part of our family growing up. Uh, We would ride bikes on the Ocean City Boardwalk. It's a two-mile-long boardwalk. We ate hoagies from Wall-Wall. We ate pizza, soft pretzels, Rita water ice. We were on the beach on the 4th of July watching fireworks, and we played our favorite family card games. Rob loved to to do all these things with our family, and he was always the loudest one at everything we ever... If you think I'm loud, you haven't met my brother Rob. So this was the first time that we had all been together since Rob's passing, and sadly, unfortunately, not all of us could go to the memorial service in L.A. I couldn't go. So on that Friday, the last Friday of that week, when we were together in Ocean City... Uh, We had a service of remembrance on the beach and Cindy brought some of Rob's ashes and she spread them on the sand and we read scripture together. We laughed, we cried, we prayed, we hugged. It was another significant step on our journey of grief. Checkout was the next morning about 10.30 and after the car was packed, I went out to the balcony one last time and sat down to watch the ocean. And I reflected on the great time we had this week and on the service of remembrance the night before. And and check this out. This is the view from the balcony where I was sitting. And then I saw it near the picket fence, through the dunes, on the path to the beach, a cardinal. Now, it may be hard for you to see, but do you see that little red dot there? If we could close that up even more, that's a cardinal. And uh, what's remarkable is that for the last 10 years of Rob's life, he worked for a company called Cardinal Industrial. Isn't that amazing? Now, I don't know if this cardinal was sent by God's hand or not, but it sure was a treasure to me because I know Rob would have loved being with us at our family reunion and a sense of peace came over me, knowing that Rob is free from pain and safe and secure in the loving arms of God. And I also sensed a profound feeling of gratefulness and peace and satisfaction that our family had gathered for a reunion. It went really well, and yet it wasn't the same without Rob, but we met in a place that we all loved and grew up in. And then sitting on the ba- uh, balcony watching this cardinal this verse 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 16 came to mind may the god of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way the lord be with all of you I felt god's presence So how do we find hope in a season of loss First list your losses and your gains, live on instead of move on, lean into grief bursts and listen for God's voice through word and spirit, signs, visions, or dreams. Grief and loss are a part of life and I just can't imagine walking this journey without Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus is well acquainted with the joys and sorrows of human life and I know he understands what we feel and what we're going through. In Christ, we not only find a hope, but we find a living hope, a hope that transcends even this life. Jesus loves you and wants to be in a relationship with you. He knows everything about you. He understands you and he loves you. He knows what has squeezed you and what has stretched you. He intimately knows what you've been through and is with you in the midst of it. God made you to love you, and he has an enduring purpose for your life. Maybe you've been walking this journey of grief and loss alone, never realizing how much Jesus cares about you in the nitty-gritty of life. Maybe Jesus has only been a Sunday morning companion for you, but not one who passes the Kleenex to you during the week. Jesus really loves you, and he wants to walk with you, and your living hope. And so friends, if you've never realized that Jesus wants to be in a relationship with you, now is the time to invite him into your life. Come to him just as you are, receive his forgiveness, and enter into a living hope as he comes to dwell within you forever. Today, you can experience new life in Christ. Maybe you've invited Jesus into your life before, but This grief journey has caused you to doubt his love for you because life didn't turn out the way you thought it would. Christ understands your disappointments, hurts, and the betrayal you may feel, and he wants to walk alongside you. Let him share the load. Be honest with him from your heart and honestly share with him your pain. He can handle it. Confess your weariness. He's listening. Ask for his strength but maybe you're in a season where the future seems bright and full of energy and hope. Might God be asking you to come alongside a sister or brother who is struggling, who really needs a compassionate hand and word? Ask God to open your eyes and to open your heart to feel compassion for someone that God has placed in your family, life, work, or school. And for me, that's definitely my sister-in-law, and my nephew. So I want to pray with you now and give you some thoughts to consider as you process how you might respond to what God has been saying to you this morning. Let's pray together. Dear God, thank you that we don't have to have it all together to come to you. Jesus, we bring you the broken pieces of our lives and our world and say, help us, Lord we have often felt at a loss because we don't understand all our emotions, the heartache, and the challenges all around us, let alone what you might be doing in all of this. So God, help us to name our losses as well as the gains. Help us to live on instead of moving on. Help us to be human by experiencing those sudden expressions of grief that come to us by surprise. Help us to listen to your voice. Today, God, we have a sense that you're speaking to us by offering us an invitation to give you our grief because you and you alone can turn our tragedies into triumphs. Lord, I admit I don't know what everyone here is grieving, but what I do know is that your word promises us time and again that your son Jesus welcomes our sadness and grief, that Jesus our savior brings peace in situations that are anything but peaceful. So, Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. Forgive me of my sin and fill me with your presence through your Holy Spirit. Thank you for loving me and giving yourself for me on the cross. In response to your love, I give you my life from this day forward. I take this step of faith today, placing my confidence in you because you conquered the grave. Be my living hope. Help me to live for you and for what you want to do on, in, and through my life. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence among us, that we are not alone now nor as we leave this place. In Jesus' name, amen.